I think the hardest thing to deal with, at least in this particular industry, is rejection. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, learning how to deal with rejection early on is a really important thing. The stories we tell ourselves as people, as teams, as organizations, you know, they often get in the way of the changes we want to make in the world. We actually need to propel our stories forward not hold us back. This is Unstop the Story, where we're looking at how amazing people and companies are being resilient, flexible, brave, and daring in the face of an ever-changing landscape. And we'll talk about how you can do it too. Welcome to Unstop the Story with Unstoppable Tracy. You know, driving home with memories of Nepal, I had this massive smile on my face and I was feeling on a big high. And all of a sudden I had this craving for fish and chips that overcame me. And then suddenly I realized I could just go get some. Now this might seem unusual for some of you, but for me, it was because I was driving. And that freedom of driving was a long time coming. You know, my first drive alone in a car, I was 30 years old. And I had never spontaneously gotten up and just gone out for food or anywhere independently before that day. So driving is like a lot of things in my life. And it took a little working out. And once there again, every time I learn anything is possible. And I might want to add, it's not as hard as maybe able-bodied would think. And so today, you know, a leadership consultant with master's in business, university from Rotman of U of T and And one leadership model in that whole corporate world is the Ken Blanchard's situational leadership model. And, you know, whether it's my corporate world or my acting world, and my upcoming guest is from my acting world, this all is like, has me thinking about the situational leadership model. You know, as an example of the way I kind of take on new adventures for a place of strength. And so I can continue to be able to self-advocate what my needs are and when I have insecurities that surface. And so this is so you can manage your insecurities when they surface and follow these four stages throughout this story. And, you know, think about the first time you rode a bike or in my case, learn to sail or learn to drive or learn to act. You know, we are all this enthusiastic beginner. And then we become a disillusioned learner. And then we move into capable and cautious. And then we're the self-reliant high achiever. So ultimately, awareness of this inevitable learning process, it's sort of when you imagine it and know it, when you take on a new task, it helps us with our own self-leadership depending on situations. And it gives us a strength for self-advocacy. So enthusiastic beginner, right? The first stage, approaching a new task. That's the enthusiastic beginner. And at 16 years old, 
I was keen to learn how to drive. I eagerly enrolled the next day after my birthday, and I didn't have any idea what was involved in being able to drive, and in particular, the capability of driving as a four-way amputee. And I needed skills more than anything. I did not need morale. I didn't need anybody to motivate me. I was already super gung-ho, ready to drive, right? I was the typical enthusiastic beginner, like in a new job, willing, full of overconfidence, I can do it, and needing some time to acquire experience, you know, much like a new employee. And so what I needed was skills, not motivation. And so that's the situation, and that's the leadership, and that's what we kind of got to keep aware of when we're enthusiastic beginner. And with the disillusioned learner, when the realities of what you don't know come to light, that's when the disillusioned learner who needs both the knowledge and now the confidence boosted. You know, if you consider a new employee or new skill, and many quit here, this is where they think they've bitten off more than they can chew. And so as a driving learner, they become overwhelmed with parallel parking you know, we're merging onto the highway at 100 kilometers. And so at this stage, both continued practice, but faith in that future capability, no matter how much you're struggling in that disillusionment, right? And that elation of passing my driver education certificate of completion was swiftly followed by disappointment of knowing that any car I owned would need at least 60,000 worth of modifications to meet my needs. And it took, and that was at 16. So it took well over 14 years until I was at a full-time job at Air Canada that I felt and knew I could easily be approved for financing for owning a new car because they wouldn't adapt a new car unless I had a new car. And there's organizations out there, March of Dimes has a grant now for vehicle modifications, but they didn't exist when I was 16. And, you know, disillusionment is not knowing how and then becoming overwhelmed as a result. And so as this disillusioned learner, we need to find a way to be involved. And instead of being stuck, asking lots of questions and figure out what you don't know, right? Despite predictable frustrations, So just know and predict there will be frustrations and stick with it and draw parallels from other areas of life, even when you don't know how. So for example, we drew from other adaption successes to facilitate my car. So on a computer, I use a mouse with my left arm, my left stump, my arm that's missing. And so that's how I use the computer is with a mouse on my left elbow, right? So now I know that after the enthusiastic beginner stage. So I will inevitably fall into the disillusionment stage. But with information and research and faith, the disillusionment is a little less disheartening. And so we we took that hand control in a car on my left arm because we used my left stump arm for a mouse on a computer. Like what's a computer have to do with driving a car? But so where can you transfer skills? And so you get to this capable now, but cautious. You know, when you want to learn to drive, you're like, I can do it, I can do it. But then you do parallel parking or try to drive on the highway 
And it's a brutal reality, right? It's scary to hit 100 kilometers when you feel like there's no space to merge into. And so now you're overly cautious. You're capable, but you're cautious because of all that disillusionment that you had, where the person has actually reached some kind of mastery, but because of disillusionment, may have some lingering, unfounded lack of confidence, right? And they've done it, they've learned it, and they're even capable of, for example, presenting on their mastered task or project or result. But sometimes, despite the ability, they question their mentor or they ask their supervisor to you present it for fear of taking that complete responsibility in case there's questions or concerns. So if your staff or your friend or your child or your coworker is capable and they're underestimating themselves and they're reaching out to you and you know they have the skill, rather than saying, I'll do it or of course, how about saying you can do it and I won't do it, but I'll have your back. I'll be there, you know, and support is what they need. They don't need any more skill building. They need you to support and give confidence at this stage and boosting confidence only, not knowledge, because they have the skill, they've demonstrated it. So I need to watch this cautious stage of my learning and a new task because, you know, learning to race on a start line and I could do it. But now I'm like doubting myself because of all of the failed attempts before, right? So most people big heartedly kind of want to jump in and do it for me. And I must intentionally sound confident because any glimmer of cautiousness on my part, I typically don't get to demonstrate mastery because other people want to take over and say, oh, here, here, let me do that for you. So before I was able to drive my own car, I went through a lot of trial and error phases. And before I got involved in the acquisition and buying my car, the solution, you know, of the 60,000 in which I was told I would need my head to control the auto parts. And now with my involvement, despite feeling cautious, I trust my adaption experiences, right? No one else know what it's like to be a four-way amputee. No one else can say what I need. I don't know how to drive, but I'm in a better position to the computer mouse with my little arm so that my right hand is free, right? Everybody wanted me is to use my one and only right arm. I don't have a hand, but my right arm for the hand controls. But by using my little stomp arm for the hand controls, like I did on a computer for the gas and the brakes with the hand controls, now my right arm is free for the steering wheel. And by transferring that prior knowledge, it was an invention that I could bring to the table because I knew my body, right? And so the standard hand control is like $750. And the left arm prosthetic extension to that hand control was like $1,000. And it was a far cry from the $60,000 they originally quoted. I probably could have pulled that together a lot earlier than thirty if I'd known, right? Capable but cautious. Despite a new task, I didn't know anything about cars but I was the expert on my body. I am the expert. Who knows me best? I know me best with my personal experiences and you know you best. I need to self-advocate with professionals regards to matters of my own body. And you need to self-advocate, even if you're feeling cautious, 
in matters of your own business ideas or teenager conversations with your kids. So here's where we all want to be, which is the self-reliant high performer now, right? The self-reliant high performer, they can solve the problems on their own and they're self-motivated to make it happen. And they figure out on their own self-reliance, right? They can avoid troubleshooting situations and they even find solutions independently when they arise. So now I've had my new car for several years when the lease expires. And every time I need to self-advocate with great confidence, despite driving and proving I've demonstrated after many years of driving experience, I still end up getting the enthusiastic beginner professional interventions. If I'm getting some funding for adaptions for the car or something, or an occupational therapist is authorizing that I can drive in my car with hand controls because it's a new car and new hand controls. But I've been driving all those years now, and they're an enthusiastic beginner, usually a young occupational therapist taking it on, and they all want to get into it all. And I've requested the consideration of an eight-way movable seat And as a result, it invited a reassessment by the professionals again. And they wanted to change my steering controls and my hand controls. And it was completely unrelated to the seat. And work with a long, perceivably normal arm, right? They all want to use my arm because they've got arms. So they figure that's the way to go. But my left stump arm is the best solution for me driving. It's just nobody can imagine it because you've got arms and legs. And so it's tough wanting to be grateful and appreciative of these extremely thoughtful, enthusiastic beginner professionals while being frustrated and not listened to as this capable person with a disability who's been driving for 15 years. So at this stage, I'm motivated, I'm confident, and I'm experienced. And the support I need is being listened to as a self-reliant high achiever. You know, help others avoid their well-intended taking over. And I need to be sure to come across confidently and clearly and give evidence to the established know-how or other transferable experiences, right? An old expression becoming trendy right now in the inclusive rights advocacy groups I like a lot is nothing about us without us. You know, involve the people you're working with or four, and have confidence that you know yourself best no matter how new the task is, right? And as I progress through to a new task, right, like the acting with my coach, who you're going to hear from right after the break, I recognize myself in the four stages of enthusiastic beginner, so I'm overconfident, but I don't have the skills. I'm a disillusioned learner because, holy cow, it's harder than I thought, merging onto the highway and capable but cautious, right? Now I've learned the skills, but now I might be overcautious. And then self-reliant, high achiever. So my hope is that this helps you when you're learning a new task and advocating for your business or having a conversation with your teens, right? Be able to let go as parents, right? They are moving into self-reliance, but they do have some enthusiastic beginner new tasks under their belt. So how do you recognize when they need skill, not motivation? Or how do you recognize when they need motivation, not skill, right? It feels like yesterday when I was disproportionately excited as I ordered my fish and chips at 30 
and I was grinning at the guy in the shop and he must have thought I was mad or maybe I fancied him or something because he had no idea what I was experiencing with my overexcitement of driving at 30 for fish and chips. So the end of every podcast, I always share before the break of the beginning section, a coaching series takeaway. And so this situational leadership experience from the Ken Blanchard program, it prepares all of us to lead depending on a specific task, right? Not the whole human being, not the whole teenager, not the whole new employee, not the whole seasoned employee. What's the new task? And we're all in a bunch of new tasks during this pandemic. So becoming a leader of others You want to follow the clear goals that's matching the leadership style of the employee or the student and their ability to learn and what's their motivation. And so this aims to make us more effective and empowered and committed to making the decision out of the intention and actual needs of the person. So consider the stage or the specific task, right? Specific task, not the whole human being. What's the task? Are they learning to drive? Are they learning to cook? Are they already somebody that runs a lot of presentations? So where are they? Are they an enthusiastic beginner or are they a disillusioned learner? Or are they capable but overly cautious or are they self-reliant? So using the criteria below, then you need information on do they need information or do they need motivation or do they need both? So what's one task or specific skill for yourself that you want to improve on? Write that down. Think about it. Take note mentally. What's a specific skill you want to improve on? Is it new or do you have some experience already with it? Are you feeling confident because you've done it? Are you feeling like, yeah, I've done it, but I'm not sure I'm capable of doing it all on my own. So maybe you can do it and you just need to believe in yourself. Or are you super motivated and you know you got this, but others are doubting you? And then are you looking for knowledge or information or more so just a supportive ear to bounce it off on and validate your ideas? You know, sometimes we go in on with some questions. So we need to, people listening to us set up for success, we need to tell them that. Say, I got this. I just want to bounce the ideas out loud. So they know that they're not taking over. They're not giving you new ideas. They're just listening to you and listening for, say, you got this. And have you considered this area of concern so that you can figure it out and hear for yourself you got it, for example. And so determine, are you enthusiastic beginner? Are you disillusioned learner? Are you capable but cautious? Are you self-reliant high achiever? And then How often do you take a quick moment to cautiously identify your level of development for your team or your group as a whole? And so doing so aids you in knowing what kind of support they need or what specific direction or supportive listening are you going to provide? And do you communicate with your staff or your family members or your teens you know, frequently about their performance and their development? Do you say way to go? You got this. And do you take time to have culminating conversations, cumulative conversations? And do you learn new leadership skills regularly yourself, right? We can do this online in our virtual world right now. And are you open to some unconventional training methods like this podcast? you know, so that you can get maximum efficiency and productivity. 
And so coming up, my extraordinary guest is somebody that's recently taken me through new skills of doing self-tapes, self-tapes for voice, self-tapes for casting directors, self-tapes for directors, and the virtual world of getting auditions. And, you know, I'm so proud that I am in allegiance with this coaching director and coaching talent agency called Talent Inc. And I'm with the Canadian reps, but they're in UK and US. Talent Inc., as many of you know, me as a speaker, right? I'm lucky enough to share stages with people like Mark Wahlberg as an actor, at arm's length away from Michael Keaton when I had a part with Robocop. You know, to be top of my game and distinguishing myself uniquely in numerous ways, I also have an acting coach. And acting can be in business and it can be in acting, it can be in speaking. An acting coach is super useful everywhere, including reminding me to take a sip of a drink while I do this podcast, sip, sip. So to be top of my game, in order for any actor or professional to sign with a legitimate agency, we must continually train. And so my upcoming guest, I was his student. And I am his student currently, and he secured me with auditions with the likes of Disney. And so they have a strong Talent Inc. family and well over 2,000 success stories since they've opened and branches everywhere. But John's personal history is extensive, but a couple highlights, you know, Joanne Worley, the hit musical Annie, he was in, John He was later featured with Kathy Rigby, the famous Peter Pan, Broadway. But now he's even bigger and better with his partner, Doug, with Talent Inc. Their performers can be seen in things like Harry Potter, Humans, The Royals, Wyona Earp, Home Alone 5, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, Degrassi. And then a lot of national campaigns for winners, for Ikea, for Rogers, Nike, Volkswagen, you know, and this is just to name a few. And so you want high performance and how to present yourself in high performance? Listen in with John and I. He is funny and he is authentic. And I can't wait for you to hear about him after this short break. Thanks for listening to the first half of Unstop the story. More to come right after this. Tracy will be back in just a moment for a fascinating conversation with John Stevens. My name is Megan Doherty, and I've had the pleasure of working with Unstoppable Tracy to co-create Unstop the Story, which you're listening to now. One Stone Creative is a podcast and online course creation agency, and we love to help plan, build, and distribute podcasts that tell important stories while working towards key business objectives. We especially love working with authors like Unstoppable Tracy and have a special book-to-podcast program designed to help nonfiction authors transform their books into valuable multimedia podcasts. If you have a book or a story and you want to bring it to the world in a new format, find us at onestonecreative.net. That's O-N-E, stonecreative.net. Now, here are Tracy and John. Welcome to Unstop the Story. Thanks for returning after the break with Unstoppable Tracy. And you're going to be blown away with my next guest. 
almost wasn't able to get him because he is busy coaching so many professionals that work in television and film and commercials and voiceovers. And it is my coach in the acting world, John F. Stevens, who is part of Talent Inc. And he operates mostly out of Canada, but Talent Inc. itself is in Canada and US and UK. And John and his partner, Doug, have placed thousands of actors into the TV and film industry through their programs and their award-winning annual showcase. But what's really fun about John is he started at the age of seven in a circus as a clown and riding unicycles and walking tight ropes and acrobats and trapeze, no less, because of his late grandfather, who was in the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. I mean, talk about a cool start. And before he leaves high school, he's already one of the top 40 most influential people. And at 18, with a merit scholarship, he gets into New York City's Marymount Manhattan College, double majoring, I mean, as if one major isn't enough, in dance and theater. He was a junior agent with Eisenberg Aquahart Talent Agency in Manhattan, where he launched a whole bunch of young performers into the Broadway spotlight. And another cool fact about him was that he worked as a featured performer at Carnival Cruise Lines. And and in his New York City days, at the peak of his dance career, he was choreographing three off-Broadway shows. And some of his highlights are things like Stephen Stoddenheim's Folly, starring Maxine Andrews of the Andrews Sisters, Denise Darcel, Judy Kay, Karen Murrow, and Eddie Adams. And John also toured with John Shuck, I want to say, and Joanne Worley in this hit musical, my beloved start in my acting career, Annie. And John was later featured in Kathy Rigby is Peter Pan. He has some fun stories about him and Kathy Rigby. And then also he was Peter in the newly revised script of Babes in Arms. And he starred opposite Cheyenne Jackson. So there's so many incredible own acting Broadway world, but he also produced, directed, choreographed with Ashanti, with Wycliffe Jean. I mean, if you don't know any of these names just yet, he's also in his role now with his partner, Doug, with Talent Inc., his performers can be seen in things like Harry Potter, Humans, The Stanley Dynamic, The Royals, Heels on Wheels, Wyona Earp, Home Alone 5, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, Degrassi, Heroes Reborn, The Detail, Connor Undercover, and a lot of national campaigns like Winners, Ikea, Rogers, Nike, you know, Volkswagen. And today I was reaching out to John and he was on the phone with Chase Tang a Taiwanese-Canadian actor. You know, he's a real mental health advocate and philanthropist, but you might know Chase Tang in his Baron Netflix series or Jupiter's Legacy. And so it is with so much pleasure that I introduce to you my extraordinary acting coach, John F. Stevens. John, welcome! (laughs) Oh my gosh, Tracy, that was such an amazing intro. I'm getting to the point I'm so old in my career, I forgot half of those things. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. I did. I forgot. 
<laughs> this is a celebration is awesome. of life, not an obituary. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for having me on. And I just really believe in everything that you're doing. And you're such an important voice right now, not just in the entertainment industry, but in the world. We need this positivity. We need to open doors and to connect with one another. And that's exactly what you do every day. And it's, I, I'm thrilled to support you and be, I am your biggest fan. So. <laughs> See, you're, I'm here to celebrate you and you celebrate right back. And that's what you do with like all the people in your talent Inc world now and what you did like long. And it, I was, wasn't surprised to see something with Harry Potter because I am fully convinced that you have a magic wand in your back pocket because <laughs> of the doors you open and the stretch. I mean, I'm years on stages and I have one conversation with you and you grew my memorizing techniques. And then I go for auditions with casting directors and you impact my sight lines and my staging layouts. And now we're doing something for auditions with directors and you've you've got me developing range and variety and I'm somebody that's that's pretty experienced in my stage world and you just stretch like you got me auditions with Disney no less right like yeah. you, you have oh a magic gosh. wand somehow in your world everybody well, you touch you know what i i really appreciate that and what i always try to tell our students is that talent is a wonderful thing but if you really want to get ahead, it's all about building better relationships. And I find that when you, you surround yourself with, with relationships that you invest in and they invest right back, just like you were saying, you celebrate me and I celebrate you. When you find those people to keep in your, your realm, it just makes everything fall into place. And if, you know what's interesting about positivity and, and that sort of thing is that some people just don't know how to process it. And it's not that they're... Negative people themselves. I think that so many people have just been so inundated with negative energy that when they meet positive energy, it's almost so foreign they don't trust it anymore. Yes. And so that's why I absolutely love working with you. Is you take that positivity and you turn it right back around. And you know what? There's a lot to be said for that. So I, I love being here with you and, and continuing to build our relationship because we're still very. New in our friendship, so. We are. And see, I always thought it was the fact that I was a dog lover and that we both had <laughs> little dogs that connected us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I've got Elizabeth Taylor in my lap as we speak. Uh, <laughs> oh, I got Riley in my lap. <laughs> uh, and it's funny you talk about positivity because there are ups and downs. And I hear my puppy now coming through the hallway. So it might be part of this interview, which is really funny. <laughs> but you talk about ups and downs and power positivity, but you haven't been adverse to your own roller coasters. So is there something that yeah. you could share with all of us about how you still this breakthrough talent agency? So, you know, it's, it's interesting because I feel like there's a lot of changes that are happening right now. And the, the way that we have, have been able to stay is that we're constantly doing pivots. I mean, I think we've all learned how to do pivots during COVID and learning how to, you know, readjust on the fly sometimes. But really, it's, it's the best thing that you can do for life, too, is we all have to learn how to take those 
pivots when something negative happens or we're impacted by a health issue, you know, so many different things. So I think the thing that's really been helping us is always trying to to listen to what other people need and then trying to find a way to provide for that need. So that's what we've been doing is just constantly doing a pivot, a pivot, a pivot. Yes. And really trying to teach people not only how to prepare for success, but how to prepare for inevitably, uh, you know, actors make mistakes, humans make mistakes. And I think we've gotten into a space where we have to allow ourselves to make mistakes and we have to allow others to make mistakes. And that is something truly I am constantly trying to relearn and focus on because I find when somebody lashes out towards me, my immediate response is to want to do that right back. And I'm learning that, you know, it doesn't go anywhere. No. It doesn't feed any need. So by really focusing on our clients and focusing on our relationships, that's been our saving grace in both business and in our in our personal lives. Yes. Are you willing to share a like a specific story? Yeah, you know, I I think the hardest thing to deal with, at least in this particular industry, is rejection. Yeah. And so I think that you know, learning how to deal with rejection early on is a really important thing. Yeah. I don't have a normal story kind of growing up in the entertainment industry (laughs) by any stretch of the imagination. I had so many things fall in my lap. I I booked everything I auditioned for up until a really long time. And then I remember when I got that first, thank you very much, I was devastated. And it was like, I was so used to talk about privilege, right? I was so used to getting things and then I found, oh, okay, I'm going to have to work a little bit harder. And I, at first, was really hurt by, by that. And then I just realized, oh, wait, but I like this work. Yeah. And so as long as you find ways to do that and kind of bring back in, but as to a specific story, I'll tell you one of the hardest pills to swallow. Well, it's kind of a funny story, actually. <laughs> I was auditioning for Hello, Dolly that was going to be going to Paris. And it was just going to be this huge, huge, huge production. Woo! So I went into the audition and I was, I was dancing and they kept, they kept keeping me, keeping me, keeping me. Pretty soon they were like, you know, John, come to the front. And I was leading the dance audition for this incredible opportunity to do Hello, Dolly in Paris. Woo! And <laughs> so then they finally made it to the final cuts and they were like, okay, Everybody, you know, step in a line, just like a chorus line. And if we call your name, thank you very much. We really enjoyed meeting you, but not, we're done with you for today. And so they started calling off the names and then they called off my name. And everybody in the room was like, you're calling the wrong list. You're calling the wrong list because yes. I was leading the audition for half the day. Yeah. So I was thinking not only was I going to get cast, but I was also going to get you know, a dance captain kind of a role, which is a little bit of extra money and a little extra responsibility and that sort of thing. So I was kind of excited. Yeah. And then they said, no, actually, we've made our cuts. And I remember walking out of that room feeling so embarrassed because they, you know, basically used me to run the audition and then told me to take a hike. But I will tell you what that did for me, though, is it made me appreciate Never Assume right? You can't, even when you're doing really, really well, don't just assume and kind of, it's a hard lesson, but it is a really important lesson. 
Poof. I imagine you had a gazillion phone calls when you got home. Did you know people in the circle that had seen that happen or was that all sort of new faces for you? Yeah. And so, you know, it was interesting. Uh, <laughs> this is a kind of interesting and kind of funny. When about three years later, I ran into somebody who had also been at that same audition and they said, hey, aren't you, John, didn't you run the auditions for Hello, Dolly, it was going to Paris? Yeah. And I said, yeah. And they said, oh, I was in that show. Do you know why you weren't cast? And I said, no, I, have, I didn't know. And no. so apparently I danced too masculine <laughs> and they thought I was heterosexual and they wanted to have a bunch of queens going to Paris. And so I was not cast. And I felt, I was like, but, but I am, but I yeah, am, take yeah. me. But, so, oh, well. It's one but, of those, you know, you're, you're in trouble if you are and in trouble if you aren't. You're like, what? I, I was such a weird, weird straight world. Yes. <laughs> to think that that all your life, that that was the big audition that you didn't get because you were too <laughs> masculine. Wow. Yeah. But it did, you know what? It also raised questions at a very early stage for me, just about like the legitimacy of, of auditioning and, you know, just the politics and the things that you don't ever think about. I remember another job I was up for. The directors and producers were really excited to introduce me to the, like, the head honcho who was going to make the final decision. Yeah. And when she came into the room to meet me, she immediately turned around cold and was not interested in meeting me at all. And I was like, hmm, well, that was not the response I was thinking was going to happen. I thought I had this job. Yeah. Turns out I, I look exactly like her ex-husband. Oh. So she didn't want to work with somebody who looked exactly like her ex-husband and she was going through a nasty divorce. Oh. The things you never think about, right? Yeah. And you had no control <laughs> over that. But how we make it mean yeah. is us, right? Like, unbelievable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so... Yeah, go ahead. And a lot of our listeners, like I'm getting woo because somebody that loves acting as much as speaking and I'm getting drawn into your theater world and your acting world. But... You know, most of our listeners are entrepreneurs, they're business people or have more everyday, maybe even exceptional skills, but that it's not necessarily famous stages like you have, which is a really big deal. Yeah. But, and you might be hearing my well, Riley playing with toys in the background online and probably <laughs> being part of this. So no matter how famous you are, if you have a puppy, they become part of your podcast, which is funny. But absolutely. You also have a so business you know something mind. Else? Yes. And you know what? I have to tell you how much you've impacted us and our business. Because ah. about two years ago, aging is an interesting thing. Your perspective changes and that sort of thing. And about two years ago, I was kind of going through a bit of a, not a depression, but I was going through a bit of a, a rough a spot and just kind of reevaluating. Yeah. Reevaluating, kind of, you know, looking at my life. And, and I used to, in my youth, do so much volunteer work and so much activism and that sort of thing. And I realized I really kind of lost touch with that side of me. And lo and behold, as I'm flipping through Twitter one day, I came across you and I saw your story and it was so inspiring. And it really got me to think about the fact that, you know, even in our studio, we aren't properly set up to properly welcome students who have any kind of disabilities. And so 
it was a huge turning point for me. And then the more I got to know you, the more this has really become a mission for me. And I've always believed that anybody and anybody <laughs> can act, right? We should all have the access to that because it's so beautiful, not only in the sense of performing, but the other day I had the chance to work with an actor who was really dealing with some tough stuff. And the material we worked on allowed her to like let some of that go. And it was such a beautiful thing. And I, I just keep thinking if I can bring that to other communities, other groups of people. And that's why I'm so excited to start working more and more with disabled actors. And so how does that benefit you? I mean, you say that fills your soul because you volunteered and you realized it pulled you out of a place of disparity. And so many of us in pandemic are reevaluating and feeling a funk and wondering what motivates us because the world's been turned upside down and a lot more time of reflection, maybe because of lack of sleep at night, people are noodling in their head. So this is a neat example of how you pulled yourself out of the doldrums was to make a difference for others. And it's a great technique, but it really more than filling your soul. I mean, is there something, something business savvy? Because right now people are so desperate, although they want to make a difference for others, people aren't making a difference for others because and I think that's a, a huge problem. Yeah. And you know, I think because people are focused on the finances that they, they only want to do something if they can make an immediate dollar. But by focusing on doing public outreach and doing it for the right reasons, yep. now I can go through all of my other coachings and I'm happy working on my other projects, knowing that I've got this to kind of feed my soul, as you keep saying, right? Yeah. So I think when you allow yourself to not do something for an immediate benefit or tangible or financial benefit, but you're doing it for other reasons, that's where the real beauty is. Yep. And for me, having that has allowed me to go, okay, now I can go back to my business and do the numbers crunching and all that kind of stuff without feeling like I've just been stuck into this kind of like corporate rut. Yes. And yes. I find now, because people are meeting us through not necessarily a direct television or film industry line, they are meeting us through other outlets that it's making acting more approachable for everybody. Yes. And that's, and for everybody. Everybody, <laughs> everybody and everybody. Thing, exactly. And that's the thing that's really working <laughs> for us is making acting and making the television and film world more accessible, literally, but also figuratively, just in terms of making it not seem like it's something for you have to be, you know, a certain height or a certain weight or you look a certain way, a certain body type or any of that sort of thing. Yeah. I really, truly believe in the therapy value in drama and in working on, because what are we doing as characters? We're working out conflict. Yes. It's impossible for some of those lessons that are in the brilliant writing that we get to explore. It's impossible for that not to affect us in a positive way. Yeah. The benefits of acting are long and wide. So, yes. I mean, we've got interview skills, learning how to handle stress, rejection, public speaking skills, memorization skills, people skills, interacting with one another, problem solving, all of those different things come out. And all the while, we're still kind of allowing and opening ourselves up as a person as well. Yes. And so what's great is that teams could come to you 
And so to build the confidence in their teams, to build the presentation skills in their teams, to build the group dynamics, nothing like a group of people on your staff doing out a role together in a script read where they can end up bonding and laughing together. But also I've seen, you know, youth as young as five and somebody as old as 85 who speaking up and increasing their volume and being, and, and after four Thursdays with you, the confidence that's expressed, it just comes out tenfold. And so it's interesting that your world is TVs and commercials and movies, but it's also developing soul and confidence and expression. And it's all ages. It could be anxiety for youth in schools, or it can be mastering the power of yourself in a corporate world and what you want to express with your teams. And you're looking for something unique and different and inspire and reinvigorate and reinvent your teams like you never have before. It seems to me like Talent Inc. and and your sessions do that, whether it ends up with a part in Disney or not, right? It's It does end up with incredible problem-solving, stress management, critical reflection, like even your ability to teach us to self-reflect and continuously improve. Yes. Oh, I, that means the world to me. You know what? And I, I have to, I'm so glad that you're mentioning not only youth, but that adults are coming to us. And I have to just share a really amazing story. I, oh, I won't share her name necessarily, but I want to tell you about uh, a woman who came to us. She'd always wanted to act. And I'm going to say she was in her late 40s, early 50s and came to us and wanted to do something. And so we started working with her. And as soon as she saw her headshots, she said, oh, I can't act. There's nobody who looks like me on TV. And her self-value really deteriorated all of a sudden. And I told her, well, the reason there's nobody who looks like you on TV is because they haven't discovered you yet. (laughs) You know, she had all the right chops. She had all the right things. And I said, just trust me on this. I want you to, you know, come to class a couple more times, see how you're doing. She did, started to get a little bit more confident, started to feel more at home with all the things we were doing, started to get some feedback from agents and casting directors. And then just last month, I had a coaching with her and she was up for a very large role in a feature film and she booked it. Wow. So, yeah. So like, it's really only been a year and a half since I started working with her. So that's a very short amount of time to find success. And especially for having not any kind of a experience base, right? You are so much like my Paralympic and Olympic coaches, the high performance people where, you know, people spend 30 years developing a skill and it's gradual, but you get in with the high performance athlete coaches you know, in 30 minutes, you get this big leap in your learning curve. And what's funny is Magnus Lidgedal, my gold Olympic coach, when he's got too much to do, he just wakes up an hour earlier, right? And you talked about making a difference and reaching out in the world of people with disabilities and making sure everybody can act. But I know that, you know, even today making time, you are editing videos, you're having business calls. And you squeezed me in, like you want to make something happen, reach out to a busy person because a naturally busy person makes it work. And so I'm not surprised that in a year and a half that this woman went from 
I am not an actor to booking a role in a movie because who you are, you live and breathe getting up earlier, staying up later, making it work in between two important self tapes for others to have a podcast with me. And that high performance, you role model, as well as encourage and stretch that growth and confidence in others, but all through the power of positivity. It's not tough love. You give me power positivity and you stretch me, speaking for myself. So I can't believe how our time has flown by. And I want people to get some golden nuggets with you. So maybe something in common with everybody on the planet, whether they are preparing for a part, whether they're scared to practice a script, whether they're entering into a job interview, whether they're about to pitch a fundraiser for a big grant, or we're about to propose, right? Everybody walks into a moment where they are nervous. Is there something that you do or you could coach to have people face those nervous moments like right before you go on stage? What do you tell people? Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I have two golden nuggets for you today. Okay, so one it sounds cliche and it sounds like it's just overdone. And I think because people hear it so often, they don't believe in the value of it. But if you think about it, like when you're in a stressful situation or there's any kind of an emergency, like say there's an accident, what's the first thing the ambulance gives you when they reach the scene? Oxygen, right? So in order to deal with any kind of stressful situation or environment, I always tell people take four deep breaths in through your nose, out through your nose, in through your nose, out through your mouth, in through your mouth, out through your mouth, in through your mouth, out through your nose. And if you take the time to really do that and really take deep, 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 full breaths with each of that, each of them, you're going to get so much more, you're going to get a, a huge dose of oxygen and it helps your body deal with stress. It's not an ooey gooey kind of ethereal little weird actor thing. It's biology, right? So it's a really good thing to trust. And then the last thing I always tell people is move. So many people, when they get nervous, they try to hold it in. They try to control the nervousness. And that's when you get the shakes, right? So my other little nugget is breathe. And then I call it the Italian school of acting. Talk <laughs> with your hands, right? So if you start to talk with your hands, all of a sudden your body is moving. You look more comfortable, even though you might not be comfortable, but you're also letting out that nervous energy. So you're not going to get that shaky kind of feeling to it, right? So by letting the nervous energy out rather than trying to control it, it's a huge game changer. And I've seen it really, really help public speakers, actors, and even athletes with interviews and things of that nature. I had the opportunity recently to coach some hockey players and interesting pivot with COVID. I had the opportunity to work with some nurses who work with geriatrics on teaching them how to speak more clearly through their masks. So it's been an interesting ride with uh, lots of interesting little tales, but those are my two biggest little nuggets that I like to pass on to people. I love it. And see, now I've learned something right along with all of our extraordinary listeners. So I know people want to find you, whatever they're in right now. How do, And you've got some ridiculous deals on right now. So even if they just wanted one hour with you, you're affordable for 99% of the population right now, which is incredible. 
Absolutely. And so the best way to find out more information about us is on the website at www.talent-inc.ca. And we're in the studio almost every day. Yeah. But that we say that not like we're so burdened, but we actually enjoy it. We're, I'm very fortunate. Doug and I are partners and business partners and have built this beautiful family and I'm just so happy that you're a part of that. Thank I'm you so, so much, happy. Tracy. What people don't know is his business partner was a model for Calvin Klein. He's got a fun reputation yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. He is a hoot. We'll have to get him on the show one of these days. Yes. So we're going to put talent-inc.ca in the show notes along with all your social pages so people can find you. And if you have any trouble whatsoever, you reach out to me and I will connect you with John and Doug and Talent Inc. so that you can grow in whatever area it is that you have a need to grow in. This is your man. Absolutely. Thank you for carving me in between. Yes, please. One of the things that your people might be interested in is we're actually doing a fundraiser for the Disability Channel. And so we have some of our students that are actually going to be doing a showcase and the proceeds from that showcase are going to help support all the wonderful work that you guys are doing. So it's a huge circle, right? Goes round, comes so round. So big love back to you. Wow. Well, thank I you. I truly thank believe you. that. Oh, look at all the shout outs. <laughs> <laughs> John F. All right. Oh, it's so great. John Stevens, Talent Inc. Canada extraordinaire, magical soul filler that you are on a thousand levels. Thank you for being a lifeline today and for all a lifeline for all my listeners and for unstopping the story so that we can all be unstoppable with a few breaths and some Italian acting. We can get it out there and be the best versions of ourselves. Thanks for Excellent. listening, everybody. Oh, thank you so much. Amazing. You are so great. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show? I'd love if you could share it with someone you think will find it valuable or inspiring. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to see a live and unedited version of this full interview, you can. Subscribe for all access at unstoppabletracy.com slash interviews, and you'll gain instant access to the whole catalog for free.